Hello, and welcome to CART, a podcast about coffee and related topics. I'm your host, Joseph Jenkins, owner and lead educator of Sustain Coffee. If you happen to be new around here, allow us to introduce ourselves. We at Sustain Coffee are a collective group of baristas, home brewers, coffee professionals, and just all around coffee enthusiasts. Our main goal is to approach coffee education in a way that is encouraging. What started as a school project with classes held in a home kitchen has morphed its way into a team of dedicated coffee lovers who want to extend their passion to others. This said, the podcast you are currently listening to is but a part of all that we do. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at 901 Sustain Coffee to get in the know of in-person workshops and pop-ups, or just to say hello. If you find that you enjoy what we do, consider supporting us on Patreon. You'll find all this in the show notes below. Regardless of those things, we hope that you enjoy this week's episode. Now, on to the show. Hey there, thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. If you have just a moment, would you mind leaving us a review on the podcast player that you are currently listening on? Be that Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you're listening. Just take a second, give us a quick review, let us know what you think. This helps us immensely with growth and getting other listeners on the show. Thank you so much for doing that. Now, on to what you drink. What 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 you drink. Today we are sipping on a coffee roasted by Ravenous Roasters. Using our origami dripper with numbers of 21 grams, 331 grams out with a brew time of 3 minutes and 20 seconds. This has been an interesting coffee considering its region. With most dry hold coffees, aka naturals, we find them to be high in sweetness and acidity. The taste of this coffee is far richer than we anticipated, and even has some high levels of umami. Let's read a bit of information about the coffee itself. Its region is Hambella Buleli, which is in Ethiopia. The processing is dry hulled. The cultivars are heirloom. And here's some more information. Bali rests in a super high altitude zone of 2,170 meters above sea level. The dry times are faster than some other sites we see with an average of about two weeks to dry the whole coffee cherry seed and all. They are mostly buying coffees from farmers in the surrounding wards of Boli, Wamana, Boricha, Dari Rogicha, and Dubai. Season 5, Episode 5, Waterworks. We'll start our conversation today by reminding ourselves that brewed coffee, while brewed, is still mostly water. A common understanding is that coffee is upwards of 99% water, and this concept is derived from the values we find using a refractometer. When we use a refractometer to see TDS values, they typically fall in a range that is under 2%, hence our 99% generalization. With this reminder, we can derive a further concept. Water from different sources results in different end results between brews. Have you ever brewed coffee at home, then elsewhere, say a friend's house, out camping, etc., and found that the end results were not accurately replicable? Or perhaps you tasted coffee at your favorite cafe, loved it enough to purchase a bag of that same coffee, and even use the same recipe as the barista who served you, yet your brew is just not the same. We have even experienced this by measuring the TDS of our brews at different locations. And even if the values are within 0.5% of each other, the taste still seems to vary. 
This issue exists even within water that comes from the same city source. Herein exists a common frustration that we see the community facing with blanket recipes that we all like to provide. Taking water into consideration is vital when developing repeatable brew recipes. Today we're going to take a broad approach and discuss a few topics. One is when and why one should formulate their own brewing water, and that's going to include some of our own experiences with deciding to formulate water for a pop-up that we did recently. Secondly is water temp stabilization and its reflection in TDS values. And for this part of the conversation, we'll be basing it off of a brief data collection experiment that we conducted. To access this in its fullness though, consider becoming a Patreon member where you can access the sheet that we created. Third is decision making without the aid of a tool such as a refractometer. And fourth is when to let taste be the guide and even ignore the science of the situation. To start this section, we would like to review some of our thoughts that we shared in episode 38 of the podcast titled Total Dissolved Solids and Memphis Water. These are perspectives that we still believe and hope to help in balancing our perspectives. So let's review that. Firstly, we recognize that water itself is a privilege, let alone clean, high quality water. Coffee comes from regions of the world where there are many people hurting for water. So who are we to measure the quality of our drinking water? It is important to keep these things in mind when discussing water quality. Secondly, we do not want to let water preferences hinder our perspectives about certain regions of coffee. We do not want to let water quality depreciate how we enjoy coffee, as it is a product that still deserves to be honored. Yes, brewed coffee is mostly water. Yes, the compounds found in water are important to take into account when brewing coffee. And yes, observing water from a scientific perspective allows us to better understand taste and how coffee is broken down. Just keep in mind that if we are even able to think about these yes things, then it means we're likely in a place of privilege. We hope that these clarifications are not too abstract, but felt it necessary to acknowledge once again. Let these thoughts maintain our perspectives. Now, back to our first question at hand. When and why should we attempt to formulate our own brewing water? Well, we have an example of this that I think will be excellent for our learning today. At our HQ space, the tap water we typically use is not being ran through any sort of filtering system. Because Memphis water is usually quite good, we have not been too worried about the water we use to brew. However, at the beginning of the year, we started noticing that our brews were just not turning out as we wished. We would take coffees home and find that we really enjoyed them, but could not replicate our brews at the HQ. The largest noticeable brewing difference was that our brew times at the HQ were far slower than that at home, and this led us to experimenting with water specifically. What we found was that the water from the tap at the HQ was much lower in mineral content than that water that we were brewing with in each of our respective homes. We are not certain on why this is the case, but one guess is that the plumbing at the HQ is quite old and is likely impacting what kind of water that we find when turning on the tap. To start, we performed a coffee cupping using three distinct water sources. If you were there, shout out to you. The three water sources that we used were tap, filter tap that we ran through a Brita style filtering system, and formulated water that we made using distilled water, baking soda as an alkalinity buffer, and Epsom salt as sodium bicarbonate. 
As we cupped each sample blindly, we found that the taste of the filtered and formulated water was far more balanced in taste than the sample that used tap water. However, we tried the experiment several times with different coffees and found that some coffees were better with the filtered water rather than the formulated, and others were better with the formulated rather than the filtered. For example, the honey processed Costa Rican that we were using was far richer in taste using formulated water, whereas the dry hulled Ethiopia that we used lost a lot of its sweetness with formulated water. In this case, we simply used formulated water for the Costa Rica and would use filtered for the Ethiopia because that's what we liked taste-wise. Our personal example here is an excellent case for both when and why it would be necessary to access your brewing water. We noticed that our coffee brews were incredibly inconsistent and we knew that our other variables were not as dynamically impactful as the water that we were brewing with was. This led us to blind tasting three different water sources that we cupped blindly and chose based off of these findings. However, we still found that a discrepancy existed from coffee to coffee. Section two, water temp stabilization and its reflection and TDS values. Temperature of samples is a huge factor in the stabilization of values that a refractometer will read at. Even water from the same source will measure at a different value depending on the temp. It is vital to keep track of both sample temps, which would be the coffee sample itself, and zero temps, which would be the water used to zero out the refractometer when using a refractometer for TDS readings. To explain what we mean here, let's give a quick overview of our numbers. And keep in mind that this is on a spreadsheet and looks much better when you're reading it, and it's a little hard to translate in audio, so I will try my best here. With the cold tap water, the degrees in Celsius was 23, and the total dissolved solids was negative 0.7%. Now that same tap switched to hot setting was 24.6 Celsius, and the total dissolved solids jumped from negative 7, or negative 0.7 rather, to 0.13%. Quite a jump. The next Example is Curtis Water Tower water, which was hot at first, and the degrees in Celsius for that was 30.5. The total dissolved solid percentage was 0.22%. The Curtis Water Tower that was hot then was made cold by just sitting out at room temp for a while was 23.8 Celsius with a total dissolved solids that was actually lower than the hot one, which was 0.14%. And then finally, on this sh little sheet that we have here, the Fedco drip water that was pulled straight from the machine as hot water was 26.4 Celsius and a total dissolved solids percentage at 0.23. And then the same thing done again, where we let it sit out at room temp, made cold, jumped to 0.40% with a temperature difference of 4.4 Celsius. Okay, that's a lot of information that was kind of hard to understand if you're listening in audio, but the largest takeaway here is that the higher temp samples usually resulted in higher temp TDS values. The one exception for this was found in the sample that was cooled, the Curtis Water Tower example, which we saw a slight inversion of the trend with the cooled top sample TDSing lower, which is what we have noticed when doing proper readings with coffee samples through our brews as well, since it is a lot more about stabilization when done that way. As mentioned in our section overview, we'll be publishing this section in a more detailed fashion on our Patreon. So if you're interested in the details, consider supporting us there.
decision-making without the aid of a tool such as a refractometer. Again, referring to our headquarters example, we did all those tests without any scientific tools. Of course, using a scientific tool would have made sure that our findings were more precise and data accurate, but it was not impossible to reach a conclusion that yielded satisfactory results. These sort of science fair style experiments are not difficult for anyone to conceptualize. The difficult part is found in the willingness required to invest time in trying, failing, and building intuition. Which is another thing to keep in mind when doing trial runs with ideas, that it is likely not going to happen that every idea will yield substantial results, and some ideas simply will not work as dreamt of. However, this should all be the more reason to remain focused on what one is trying to achieve by taking the necessary steps, be that research, research and development, failing, seeking guidance from others. All this said, there will be times that scientific tools are just going to be the best way to achieve data-heavy results, and there is not much we can do to avoid that if data and exactness is the answer to a given situation. When to let taste be the guide and even ignore the science of the situation. In our HQ water example, we found that even when using what was considered ideal formulated water, still yielded different results across varying coffees. We found the Ethiopian coffee was far favorable to our taste than the filtered water instead of the formulated. Of course, we did factor in how we were brewing this coffee outside of the cupping, yet the filtered water still won. This is an example of how even when all the numbers line up scientifically, we still must be willing to let our personal sensory preferences take the priority if necessary. We have found that there are times where numbers may line up perfectly on paper, but in practice, the more abstract option becomes more favorable. When we make this conscious decision, we're able to serve something that we are then excited about and in turn gives others a sense of excitement and wonder as well. Closing thoughts. We hope that by discussing when and why one should formulate their own brewing water, as well as looking at some of our own experience with formulating water, looking at a quick water temp stabilization and its reflection in TDS values, seeing how decision-making without the aid of a refractometer can be of value, and when to let taste be the guide and ignore science of the situation, that you feel inspired to go out and try your own experiments. Remember, we're not scientists around here on the show, but we won't let that stifle our curiosity. If you do decide to try your hand at water formulation or any other kind of thing that you can think of, please let us know. We would love to hear your results. Here are some final thoughts that did not make it into the main body of the script that we still feel necessary for rounding out our knowledge in this conversation. And again, these are actually pulled from episode 38 of the podcast titled Total Dissolve Solids and Memphis Water. Water with low mineral content is prone to over-extraction in coffee brewing. Water with high mineral content is prone to under-extraction in coffee brewing. The SEA has landed on a recommended range of 75 to 250 milligrams per liter for dissolved solid concentration in water itself, with 150 milligrams per liter being the ideal concentration. According to studies, the water in the Memphis aquifer has a dissolved concentration of 100 milligrams per liter and a pH of 7, generally speaking. In addition to these studies, Memphis water has low levels of fluoride, nitrate, lead, and copper, and groundwater in the Memphis aquifer is a calcium, magnesium, sodium, bicarbonate type. 
Science aside, these things place Memphis water right in the neutral zones of the pH scale. And one final thought for the future today. We have yet to try and bring our own water that we formulated around to brew with, but it would be an interesting thing to see if it could create a more consistent result. And hypothetically, it would, since water was the deciding factor in our HQ example. Thanks for sticking around. See you next time. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of CART. If you've enjoyed this episode and want to keep the show and the sustained team going, please consider supporting us on Patreon. This is an excellent way to keep the show free of ads, keep us motivated, and not to forget, it gives you some great perks. Support tiers start as low as $5.25. Head on over to patreon.com slash 901sustainedcoffee to get started. Also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at 901sustainedcoffee. And check us out on YouTube by searching Sustain Coffee. All of these things can be found by just clicking the links provided in the show notes. Thank you for all your support. Until next time.